Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. Well, first up, at one point Lucille Williams thought her strong-willed daughter was impossible. Just a few years ago, she went on Focus on the Family to share not only her frustration, but also her solutions. She's coming up with a biblical approach to dealing with children with a strong will. Then from Inspired Church in Hawaii, it's Mike Kai who shares some perspective on his own struggles earlier in life and discusses how biblically-based leadership principles exhibited by King Solomon can be helpful as we seek to live secure lives. And on this edition of The Intersection, it's back to Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the Fall 2021 Christian Product Expo at the St. Charles Convention Center outside St. Louis. Victoria Durstock offers some comments relative to the atmosphere of a home, which can be enhanced by the decor and the demeanor of the people who live there. Finally, you'll meet Linda Zanaco, the founder of He Knows Your Name Ministries, who is involved in naming infants abandoned to death and matching infants who may not have been readily identified with loving homes, believing that these babies are created in God's image. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House, and I'm Bob Crittenden. Lucille Williams has teamed up with her daughter, Monica Welch, to write a book entitled The Impossible Kid, Parenting a Strong-Willed Child with Love and Grace. Monica was that impossible kid, and her mom, Lucille, chatted with me the other day to talk about the struggles she had in parenting Monica and how God guided her through that process. Here now from that conversation is Lucille Williams. What was it like to write The Impossible Kid with The Impossible Kid? And I I assume she's not impossible anymore. No, she's not. She, (laughs) She still has a very strong personality, which is very good. But she's not impossible anymore. She is just an absolute delight, and she's just such a blessing in in my life. But actually, the the idea to write the book was hers. She one day just said, Mom, you should write a book about me. You've always said I was your toughest kid. And at the end of every chapter, I'll say what I think. And at first, I'm like, oh, that's not a good idea. <laughs> like, okay, whatever. But then I got to thinking about it. I thought, you know, she might be onto something. And so that's kind of how it started. Well, I have to ask you this. She also is a mom these days. Mm-hmm. So do you think she might have a greater appreciation now of what you went through now that she's a mom herself? Yes, she absolutely <laughs> does. She totally gets it. And she'll say, she goes, I cannot Uh, pick at my parents or judge my parents at all because now I know how difficult it is and yes she would definitely say that tell me uh, about how you found that God's spirit and the scriptures were helpful to you along this road yes you know every day I I start my day in the word because Mm. I feel like if I don't get that first I just feel like something's missing And, you know, kids need to hear what God has to say, but I don't think cramming it down their throats is the way to go. So I feel like it's better to do it in more of a subtle way. And I know, or um, is it subtle, subtle? Anyway, uh, Monica will say, and, and she writes in the book that she would get up in the morning and she'd go out into the living room and she would see me out there with my Bible. And it gave her comfort to see that I was in my word. 
And it, you know, it, kids, when they get up in the morning, they just want to know everything's okay. Mm-hmm. And when they know when, when they see that mom is going to the Lord, then they, it gives them a sense of comfort and peace. And, you know, it's the same thing in marriage. You know, a lot of people there, you know, there are single parents out there and oh my goodness, you're my hero. If you're a single parent, you're, you're, you're an absolute hero. But most people are parenting with a, a significant other. They're, they're parent, parenting with their husband or their wife. And children want to know mom and dad are okay. Like they, they mm-hmm, wake up every mm-hmm. day, what kind of feel is everything okay with mom and dad? So sometimes parents will focus in on the kids when they really need to focus in on the marriage. Because, you know, the kids want to know mom and dad are okay. I remember when she was little, if we would get in a fight, she would say to me, mom, are you and daddy getting divorced? And oh, it would just break Mm. my heart. It would just break my heart. And I'd say, no, sweetheart, we're not. We are not. We're okay. They, you know, we acted like idiots, but we're okay. And that's what kids want to know. They want to know mom and dad are okay. So as you talk about engaging with the child, obviously engaging in the marriage relationship and being secure and and making sure that's checking out. So how do you make the decision as far as allotting the time that it takes with a child to to really nurture and to to bring them up as you know, as the Bible says in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? Mm-hmm. I think every day you got to look for those windows to go in their room, to sit, you know, on their bed. I remember going into her room as a teenager and she just had stuff all over the place. And it was like an obstacle course trying to get over all the stuff on the floor. And I could have gotten mad because her room was an absolute mess, or I could just laugh. We would laugh. I'd move things over. I'd sit on her bed and we'd sit down and we'd talk. Sometimes I would go to their elementary school and pull them out for lunch because they would let me, you know, take them out for lunch. And then I would take them to a park or McDonald's or something. And we would just spend time together. And I think a lot of it is just listening, asking questions and listening where there's no agenda. There's you're not trying to you know, lecture or trying to get them to do anything, but just say, hey, what's going on? Lucille Williams here on The Intersection. You can learn more by going to lulusays.com. Next up on this edition of The Intersection, it's Mike Kai, pastor of Inspire Church in Hawaii and founder of Inspire Collective and Inspire Network. In our recent conversation, he shared about challenges in his life prior to his coming to know Christ and related principles from his book, That Doesn't Just Happen, How Excellence Accelerates Everything. From that conversation, this is Mike Kai now. By the time I was 21, um, she did not want to be married anymore, and she left. And um, so I was um, left holding the baby. She was two. Her name was Courtney. And um, it devastated me. Uh, It wasn't a surprise, though. I saw it coming. And uh, there were changes we both needed to make in our life. And when I tried to pump the brakes, let's make these changes, it was, it was too far gone. So here I am, I'm 21, I'm lonely, I'm devastated, and my daughter needs her mother. She, and it, and I'm, it, it was just the toughest time of my life, Bob. And it was in that time that I, I honestly was suicidal. I was also homicidal. I wanted to hurt somebody. But then God showed me a picture of kind of like my funeral because I thought about it. I saw my funeral. It was like Ebenezer mm. Scrooge, right, Going, getting to see what his life would be like if he headed down this road. And God sovereignly showed me what my funeral looked like. And I said, I can't do it. I can't do it. And then my friends saw me. They loved me. 
I was working at a restaurant now. I quit my job. Um, I quit school and I was lost my dream, my focus, everything I wanted to do just to make ends meet and to raise this little girl. And so my friends kept inviting me to church and I didn't want to go. I didn't know what it was like. I was nervous. I didn't think I qualified to go to church. I didn't think God would want me in his church. And then finally they turned from begging to eventually bribing. They said, look, if you come, Mike, we'll buy you breakfast. I was like, breakfast? Okay, <laughs> I'll go. <laughs> so, so I got my daughter ready because my friend, he never treats. And this time he was going to treat. So that said something. And um, Brandon picked me and Courtney up for church. And I walked into a cafeteria, converted into a church. And I was so nervous. But, Bob, I, I, this is the days of the old overhead projectors. Oh, yes. And, um, Bob, they got me on song number two. I don't even know what it said, but they got me on song number two. And I was wrecked. And I was ashamed that I was crying. And the preacher got up, and I thought Pastor, somebody slipped him a note about me, and I felt like he was preaching directly to me. Um, I was mad, but I wasn't because I knew that maybe this was God. Brandon would never do that to me. And by the end of that service, I turned my life over to Jesus. And um, I'd love to say that a miracle happened and uh, my marriage was restored, but she, um, I waited for three years. And in that three years while I'm waiting, God is doing something in my heart. He's changing me. He's um, building purpose, identity all over again because I didn't have it anyway. All right, let's go to that story now here as we begin to wrap up our conversation, because as I understand it, the book is really built around a an interaction. It's not, there's not a lot of verses of Scripture that are devoted to it, but King Solomon was visited by a queen, the Queen of Sheba, and as I mm-hmm. recall the story, she is someone who had heard about Solomon's wisdom and his kingdom and what was going on, the success, if you will. And she wanted to check it out from what I understand. So tell me about this story and how it really spoke to you as far as presenting that, that whole concept of excellence. Bob, I was, when I kept reading this story, I've read it over and over again. I've done offering messages on it. Um, and when I decided that this needs to be a book, and really it happened while I was just happening to go through First Kings, in my entire, the entire book with my church. And while I was preaching it, all of a sudden the light came on. It says, this is equivalent to a site visit of grand proportions. It's like hmm. somebody going to Tesla and wanting to sit down with Elon Musk, pick his brain, and actually getting to have lunch with him and stay at the campus and walk away. But she paid a higher price. She actually traveled for three months by caravan. That's how long it would have taken her to get to Jerusalem from her kingdom. And on the way with all of her, all of her advisors, all of her ladies in waiting, her, her entourage, military escort in the front, military in the escort in the back, she had heard of Solomon's fame. She had to go see with her own eyes what she'd been hearing about. So she gets there, and in those seven to eight verses, she breaks down everything that she sees. So when I began to pick apart this chapter of this book, and I began to write about what she saw, the price she paid, the opulence in which she came from. And we have a phrase, right? It's called game recognizes game. And when she got there, there was no question that he could not answer. But she also walked away by everything that she had visually, that she had experienced in that place. And I could only imagine the three-month journey back to her kingdom and the debrief that might have gone on on how she was going to change her kingdom, how she would adapt creatively, how she would culture curate, 
all of these different things. Mike Kai here on The Intersection. You can find him online at TV. This is The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can learn more by going to meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on The Intersection. Also, through that Meeting House homepage, you can find links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as to the iTunes feed. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter at Access The Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there's a link to video content, including recently added content from the Fall 2021 Christian Product Expo near St. Louis. Again, the website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Content from the Meeting House program can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms. Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Moving on now, it's back to Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the Fall 2021 Christian Product Expo at the St. Charles Convention Center near St. Louis. I had the opportunity to talk with Victoria Durstock. She is the author of a book entitled Guard Your Heart and Home, Pursuing Peace in Your Living Space. It's a continuation of the Heart and Home series. She believes that the atmosphere of a home can be enhanced by the decor and the demeanor of the people who live there. Here now from that conversation is Victoria Durstock. You can't see peace. You can't yep. see love. Right. Um, but, a, but a place that communicates that might have um, some different pieces around that makes you feel peaceful, that make you feel loved. And that could be maybe Bible verses that are on the wall, or maybe it's less clutter than, uh, and people feel invited and home because they can come in and sit down and not have to move things around in order to be able to be welcomed inside. And so it's really... Uh, a very holistic approach to saying my home needs to be a place where people are comfortable. And if I have too many things, then they're not comfortable. Even if they are beautiful things that I bought from the store, then I have too many. Um, But it doesn't mean that I have to have a picture perfect home either. Home doesn't mean picture perfect. Well, and there's a, of course, in, in today's culture, there is this, (laughs) there is this phrase, if it doesn't bring joy, throw it out. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I I don't know if you describe, if you subscribe to that way of thinking, but do, is there a minimalist aspect to this, you know, making home a comfortable place or is that even a factor? Well, I do believe that we probably all have a little too much stuff. <laughs> yep. And, and, you know, I, I write a little bit about hospitality as well. And one of the things that I have discovered in my own life along the way that sometimes stuff can keep me from people. And I don't think that that's what God intended for us. I don't think he wanted us to have nice things or comfortable things or whatever we do have that keeps us from people. We're supposed to love God and love people. And if my stuff, if I having too much stuff keeps me from people, then then it's wrong. I need to remove it. And I think a lot of times clutters often like sin. Sin mm. inhabits our hearts like clutter does, and we need to remove it. So sometimes I think in our society, especially our culture of having more, doing more, getting more, we do take on too many things. And so there is an aspect of clutter that 
that is part of our homes that if we do remove, we end up having actually a more peaceful place. Mm. Well said. Victoria Durstock joining us today, the Fall 2021 Christian Product Expo in St. Louis. Well, your latest book is called Guard Your Heart and Home, and we've been talking about, as we might say, decor, mm. tangible and intangible, right? and having too much, and, and how clutter perhaps outside our hearts or within our hearts can, can actually weigh us down. Mm-hmm. So there, there obviously are some elements when you, when you speak of the adornment hmm. of your home. Well, we also recognize that our homes, our families are made up of people. Yes. Relationships ordained by God. This book called Guard Your Heart and Home is devoted primarily, obviously there are the... Uh, the, the tangible things yes. in a home, the decorative aspects that you blend into this right. book, the photographs, mm-hmm. but it sounds like it's based on these principles of what makes a godly home and what makes a godly marriage and a godly family. That's right. I, I think now more than ever, which, and it, I don't want it to sound trite, but our marriages are under attack. And mm. And, you know, even recently I was reading an article that there were thought that there was going to be a baby boom after this COVID, um, I guess for lack of better word, isolation, where we were mm-hmm. all home. Yeah. And what's happened is the opposite. Unfortunately, the divorce rates are going up. And unfortunately, there's not a baby boom because because people have actually found out maybe they don't really like being together under the same roof. And so my my passion is to encourage people that are in marriage. It's not easy. Uh, there are days that are work because we're, we're different people. We don't think exactly alike. We don't um, have the same perspective, but we have the same goal in Jesus. And so when our goal is the same, we can learn to love each other better. And we can also trust that that person, that spouse, that person I'm living my life with has my best interests at heart. Even if we're talking past each other, even if we're not in agreement, at the end of the day, if our goal is to love God and love others, then we can have a marriage that's actually shining out to the world of a place that is comfortable and a place that God can use. What have you found to be some effective principles with regard to building that type of marriage that you're describing? Well, I mean, for me, it's learning how to communicate. I'm a conflict avoider at heart. I would like to not have any conflict ever, but in working with another person and trying to understand another person and and learning to love someone better, you have to be honest. From the Fall 2021 Christian Product Expo near St. Louis, that was Victoria Durstock. You can learn more by going to her website, victoriadurstock.com. Finally, on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, it's the founder of He Knows Your Name Ministries, Linda Zanako. She is the author of the book entitled He Knows Your Name, How One Abandoned Baby Inspired Me to Say Yes to God. She shared about her inspiration to get involved in helping to recognize the worth of abandoned babies, as well as her work with Safe Haven Baby Boxes. Here now from that conversation is Linda Zanako. God did hit the pause button of my life, and I'm hoping that as your listeners listen and hear something, something hits their heart today too. Mm, and yes. it doesn't have to be that they do exactly what I'm doing, but I believe that God still speaks. I believe God still interrupts. And as we all know, there's so much going on in the news, right? And our 
our hearts are racing. Um, you know, fear rises up. We see injustice. We want, we, it's like, what do we do? And sometimes we get paralyzed and we do nothing. And I hope that today, that if nothing else, people, you know, when the program's over, you know, stop and just say, God, what's mine? What has my name on it? Because there's an assignment somewhere for everyone. And the calling on my life just really hit me that day when I saw the breaking news story of a baby found in a dumpster here in Indianapolis. And, you know, it really made my heart race. And I stopped and I was very captivated by the yellow caution tape, or, you know, that was across the parking lot and the forensic people diving in a dumpster and the sirens and everything. Of course, I stopped and watched. But then I wondered, you know, the question rose up in me, what happens to a baby that's been found abandoned like this in a dumpster in our city? And so I, I felt like the Lord said, make a phone call and get that answer. And so I did. And I, I felt like making a phone call was kind of no big deal. Um, thankfully, the Lord in his grace didn't show me the next, you know, 10, 11 years <laughs> because I couldn't have handled it all at once. But I could make a phone call. And I think that, you know, saying yes to God on that little errand felt easy. And some of the other ones after that weren't so easy. But calling the coroner and asking the question that was burning on my heart about what happens to a baby when the the news story said uh, baby Joe found in a dumpster wearing a diaper. And I knew that God was on it because he flipped it. You know, his economy is upside down. And the message that came to me was, Joe is not a name. A dumpster is not a grave. Mm. And a diaper is not burial clothing. So it was like, oh, right. Yeah, that's the, that's the, the thing I need to get an answer to. And when I called and asked my question, and they said to me that, the baby would be put in a mass grave if, if at the end of the criminal investigation there was no parent found. I was just stunned because I thought that is so unacceptable. We live in the most resourced country in the world, and it's the 21st century, for goodness sakes. How could we do nothing, basically, not honor life, not give a name, not do something beautiful for this child? My mom had just died six months before, and we gave her a beautiful celebration of life, and she's a child of God. So, of course, I felt like this the comparison of this was so obvious to me. And when I got the answer to my question, that's when that big injustice came before me. And I thought, now that I know this, I have to do something about it. I can't just not do something and ignore this injustice now. So, you know, it's interesting that at first, of course, the baby in a dumpster felt wrong, but now I know that our system is wrong and I need to just jump into this and do something about it. And so I asked them to put my name on the case and call me um, at the end of it. And they said they would. I had no idea that a nonprofit would be uh, burst from this one phone call I made and that from this, I would be working with people for, that will have tragic loss, in-home accidental loss, bereavement in hospitals all over the state of Indiana, providing cuddle cots for hospitals for family of infant loss, one in, family, one in four families experience pregnancy and infant loss, and that bereavement need uh, and resourcing is so important for them. And it opened up that whole world to me. And mm. then also... Com the other big part of uh, like collaborating with other ministries doing incredible work for families of loss or at women at risk and babies at risk. 
So I've collaborated with the Safe Haven Baby Box Ministry in the last six years, and together um, I'm a champion for helping at-risk moms realize they have other options under the Safe Haven Law, and we've enhanced the law here in Indiana twice in the last six years. One, with the Safe Haven Baby Box Law as a safe, anonymous surrender option at fire stations and hospitals, and the other one with enhancing the law by adding 911 so that a mother who doesn't have transportation can call 911 and EMS will come to her and retrieve her baby from her under the protection of that law. Linda Zanaco here on The Intersection. You can find out more by going to heknowsyourname.org. Well, we are nearing the end of this week's edition of The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can learn more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find that link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on the podcast. Also, you can find links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as its iTunes feed. You can also see links to two blogs. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter at Access the Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there's a link to video content. Again, you can go to meetinghouseonline.info or visit the programming section at faithradio.org. Well, thanks for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.